Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> Kia ora. Welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast and thanks for tuning in this week. I'm your host Jordan, I'm a mum of one, soon to be two boys and a lover of all things birth and a very passionate storyteller. The goal of Kiwi Birth Tales is to empower, inform, educate and connect families from New Zealand and all over the world, talking about the things that are so often kept to ourselves or shared with only our nearest and dearest because of this taboo that seems to surround sharing stories about birth. All stories deserve to be heard, no story more important than the other, And with this podcast, you'll get a variety without bias. The podcast is not intended for medical advice. I'm not an advocate for any particular mode of birth or birth care. And this platform is simply here to share these beautiful, empowering Kiwi birth tales with you all. So I hope you enjoy. This week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales is proudly sponsored by Your Birth Project. Your Birth Project is an online hypnobirthing or calm birthing course that is totally inclusive of all different types of birth and is going to help you feel empowered and confident going into your labor and birth journey. I want to make it really clear that the course is for anyone and it is about creating your best birth so it isn't up for me to decide what your best birth is or your midwife or your friend or your mom or your sister. It is your journey and it is your birth and it is totally up to you to decide. So Your birth project is going to help you to create your best birth, whatever that looks like for you, and I know you're going to love it. If you'd like to check your birth project out on Instagram, you can do so at your birth project, or you can head to www.yourbirthproject.com. There is also the option to gift a course, so if you've got someone in your family or a friend who's pregnant at the moment, it's a really beautiful gift to be able to give them to help empower them and help them to feel confident and just really play a part in their birth journey, which is really awesome. So you can do that through the website as well. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Olivia and Olivia takes us through her two pregnancy and birth stories. They're both quite different, but really positive and empowering stories, and I really love how Olivia talks about them. And she also takes us through um, her period of mental health post-Luca, her first baby, and the changes that she made after Coco, her second baby, to try and help and um, make things a little bit easier for her. So I just think that this is a really awesome episode, and Olivia covers heaps of stuff. She's super um, passionate about having empowering birth experiences which I just absolutely love so I know that you are going to enjoy this episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from so if you want to take a screenshot pop it on your story and tag at Kiwi Birth Tales. I just love connecting with you and yeah it's so awesome to see um, each of you listening to the episode each week. So I will let you jump into the episode now and I hope you love it. Hi Olivia thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. No problem. Would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? 
Uh, so, my name's Olivia and I live in the beautiful Mount Maunganui with my husband Mohi and our two little darlings, um, <laughs> Luca, who is almost four, and Coco, who's just turned one. Yeah, awesome. Very yeah. cool. And I know that you've got um, a bit of a business that you run. So do you want to just um, give us a bit of a rundown about what that is? Yes. So I um, used to teach yoga and Pilates and I've also always had, I've got my breakfast babes account, which I love to share and make healthy foods and encourage people to do the same. And I just sort of recently started thinking, well, I've had lots of people ask and I've done little random catering jobs here and there (laughs) and it sort of just landed on my plate it was I love teaching um I was just recently teaching reformer and I've just sort of hung up the tools to um yeah make cakes so (laughs) to sell um, make and sell raw treats and I also do like small um you know like little healthy catering jobs here and there so it's um it's been interesting yeah um Yeah, I think ideally I just wanted to sort of, I think once you've had a a second baby, you really value your time so much more. Yeah. And I just was like, you know what, I think I just need to work for myself. Takes the stress out of life. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm um, very quickly hitting on that journey myself. So you can yeah, relate. Cool. And um, do you want to talk us through what the journey was like to pregnancy for you the first time around? It was actually really wild. So my husband and I were obviously not married then. This was about five years ago. So we um, we met overseas. We were working on the super yachts. And then we um, got together and decided to leave our boats and go traveling together. And so previously to this, I had had a few issues with my cycle. It was never every month. I sort of lost it for a few years and then it came back. Um, And I think that was purely out of, you know, maybe not having the best lifestyle, not looking after myself as well as I should have, stress. Um, My poor little body was probably just like pushed (laughs) to the limits. Anyone that's worked on a yacht understands that. Um, And, yeah, so we went travelling, having an amazing time. We decided that we were going to go back and finish off our season on the yachts, and then we just decided. It was so strange. Like, something just came over me, and I was like, oh, do you know what? Let's just move back to Tauranga, which is where Mohi's from, and just, like, start our life together. (laughs) Um, And then fast forward about a month, (laughs) and I just remember having, like, really sore big boobs. And I was like, oh. I must be like ovulating and I just was like it must be like I must be getting my period and then it just kind of never came and then I just was feeling a bit off like really tired a bit off and at the time I wasn't really eating meat and we just traveled for you know quite a long time in lots of exotic countries and not eating super (laughs) well so I was like oh I must have low iron so we were in Sri Lanka at the time And it's funny, like all these little things leading up to the event, like um, I was in India, we'd went to India for a month, Mohid like dropped me off to my yoga training and he went to Sri Lanka and I was like, cool, I'll see you in a month. And I had to like renew my visa and I didn't realize that you have to actually leave India to renew your visa. Mm. So I ended up doing my yoga training for about a week and then even my 
but the people running the yoga course were like, you're obviously just not meant to be in India right now. Like, just go to your boyfriend in Sri Lanka and then come back once you've organised your um, your visa. And so when I got back to Sri Lanka, this is when things started to feel a bit strange for me. I was like, God, what is wrong with me? I've got no energy. I'm tired. <laughs> and so Mohi went to go surfing one day and I went to go with him. And I was like, do you know what? I just can't come. I'm I'm so tired, like something's wrong with me. So I went to the chemist and bought some iron supplements and two pregnancy tests. <laughs> and I decided to do both of them by myself in the our hotel that we were staying at. And oh my gosh, it was like the shock of my life. <laughs> yeah. And then Mohi got home from surfing and I was like, I'm pregnant. He was like, what? I just remember his face. He was like pale. He didn't know where to put a surfboard. <laughs> like we were quite young. I think we were like, well, he would have been 27 and I was 26. So it wasn't planned. But then, um, yeah, I think we sort of, I went and did my yoga training and he went back to Melbourne and then eventually to New Zealand. And I just, we just decided we were going to spend the month apart just to sort of really think about what we wanted, yeah. what our choices were. Um, and I think deep down we knew we were going to be parents. It was just like really scary and not yeah. what we had um, planned. So, yeah. yeah. And then when I got back after my yoga training, it was like, okay, we're going to have a baby. And then <laughs> we went and had a scan and I was like nine weeks, nine and a half weeks pregnant. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. How were you feeling? Like I know that you mentioned um, sort of when you did the test, you were really tired and feeling a bit lethargic, but did you notice any other um, sort of symptoms that popped up in that first trimester? Not really. I just remember being really hungry and really wanting (laughs) to eat sugar. And like my mohi eats a lot. And I remember like making us big breakfasts that would always have porridge with fruit and stuff. And I would eat that and just be like, oh my God, I just need to eat more. (laughs) I need like a chocolate bar, which I don't usually feel like. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I was just really tired and I didn't have a lot of motivation. Yeah. Um, Because I was about to go and do my yoga training and I just was like, I just can't even finish a yoga sequence like mm. I was like I just can't do this yeah 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 and what about the rest of your pregnancy so did you decide to go with a midwife for your care and did you do all of the sort of standard testing that's offered and did you end up finding out the sex of your baby yeah so um one of we yeah we came back to New Zealand and had a um a scan and all that kind of stuff and I didn't have a midwife so we sort of had to go through I had to go to the doctors and then they had to okay that I was pregnant and get a scan and stuff. Um, And we actually were really lucky. One of Mohi's mum's best friends, um, Sue Bree, if anyone knows her, she's like head of midwifery, I think, in Northland. She's an amazing lady. But she, um, she looked after me for the first half of my pregnancy and then, because we lived in the Bay of Islands at the time, and then... um, (laughs) For the second part, she put me in touch with one of her friends, Nell Hurst, who's in Mount Maunganui, and she's amazing. Um, Yeah, so she looked after me for um, my pregnancy with Luca, and she's really good because she's, you know, has a very natural approach, but she'll never press that on you. It's not until you're like, I don't actually know if I want to do that. She'll be like, well, then you don't have to. She's very, like... um, 
looks after, lets you know your rights as a mum. So yeah. with the, um, you know, like the sugar test that you have. Oh, the, the gestational. Yeah, yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't have that with um, Luca and, or Coco actually. Yeah. Just because she was monitoring me and just trusted. She was like, I just think that you are fine. So yeah. she didn't press me to have it. She was yeah. like, you know, it's your choice as a mum. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And she wasn't concerned enough for me to have it. So she was like, yeah. I think that you'll be fine not to have it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And awesome. then it just kind of carried on as it does for nine sure. months. <laughs> yeah. And did you find out if you were having a boy or a girl? No, no. Kept so <laughs> kept it a secret. Um, I think it's, it, it's really hard for some people, I understand, but I think for us it's like the only secret or surprise that you'll have in life. So we decided to not find out. But, um, I, I, yeah, it didn't really bother me the first baby. I was like, it'll either be a boy or a girl. It'll be fine. Yeah. But then second baby, I was like, oh, my God, what is in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, awesome. Cool. Yeah. And did you do any, like, antenatal classes or any other birth education um, before your labour? Um, yes. So I had actually booked in to do antenatal classes. And for some reason, every Thursday night that it rolled around, we would just forget that it was on. And so it got to, like, the third week, and I was like, look, Maybe we're just not meant to go. Like, maybe we're just not meant to do this. So we ended up not doing that. But I actually read um, the hypnobirthing book. Yeah. Um, and it really, really helped me because my mum, I'm one of six children, and I just was like, I could not wrap my head around birth. I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? You know, like I just was t- really terrified to actually have a baby. I just, c- I, yeah, I just couldn't understand that that's how babies came out (laughs) and that it was okay but then um I read the hypnobirthing book and it just sort of helped ease my mind and made me realize that we are made for this and it's a lot of sort of um inherited trauma around birth um that it's a really big medical um you know emergency and in some instances of course it is but in a lot it's not Mm. and so I think that really sort of helped calm and ease my mind um and I also had acupuncture which I recommend to everyone (laughs) it was really really great and I had maybe like three sessions and here in um Mount in Mount Maunganui um the place where I went they also offer you have a session with your partner um you know like leading up to the birth so we had a session with the acupuncturist and she taught him like where my pressure points and stuff were and things to look out for in birth and what things that he could do to help um and it was actually really good because I think it gives dad something to do it can be quite a um internal journey labor and so I think for dads they're like um are you okay (laughs) like is it still hurting I remember my husband (laughs) saying that I'm like yeah 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 we're still in labor um yeah so I think I just remember the last um acupuncture session I had before I had Luca I just remember like floating out of there I was so calm I didn't care where the baby was going to come out of it was like no worries yeah 
Awesome. Yeah. And did you have many thoughts on like a birth plan or how you wanted your birth to go or where you were planning to give birth? Um, so we had a tour of the birthing centre. And so I, um, I think I just wanted to be as natural as possible, but also I'd never been through anything like that. Mm. So, yeah, I guess you're just really unsure of how it's going to go. Yeah. Um, and I really just tried to not listen to any, you know, I know that everyone loves to share their birth stories and that's why I'm here, <laughs> but um, some people love to share bad stuff. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. that thing of like good news, bad news travels faster than good news. So I just tried to really limit the amount of bad information I had. And I think also that was sort of my reason behind not going to antenatal. I didn't Mm. really want to know about the pain side of things. I didn't want to know about epidurals and that kind of thing. I just wanted to cross that bridge if it needed to happen. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Oh, and were you doing anything like in preparation for birth? Were you trying to naturally go into labor by eating all the pineapples or like <laughs> walking or were you doing perennial um, massage or anything like that? I actually did. Oh, I think I was pretty bad at that. I think maybe I had did perennial massage like twice. <laughs> um, I think I just really was trying to keep a calm and open mind and it was just... Yeah, I felt really ready for about a week before I went into labour. Um, he was just so engaged and ready to come out. So I, I think, um, yeah, it just sort of all happened. I can't remember doing anything um, to try and push things along. I think it just sort of was naturally happening. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Oh, and did you end up going into labor spontaneously? Do you want to take us through how it started and how far along you were and then into your birth story? Yeah, so um, I think in my mind, well, I always tell people Luke, he came a week early, but I think actually he was only like four days early or something like that. Yeah. Um, but we had actually just recently moved into my husband's dad's house because the place that we were living just wasn't really suitable for a baby. It was quite cold. So Mm -hmm. we moved in with him and I was actually just telling my girlfriend on the phone before, um, I just remember he was going away for a few days and it was almost like I was like holding on. I didn't want to go into labor with him in the house. (laughs) (laughs) um so and it was a really big house I would have had my own space but I think it's just that like subconscious thing I get it (laughs) and as soon as he left I went into labor but I didn't know so we ended up going for a walk and my husband came with me and I remember us having an (laughs) argument and I cried because I was like I can't do anything by myself I can't even go for a walk like and I think that was probably the start of my hormones really cracking off And I remember being like, my stomach keeps doing this tight thing and it's really sore. Um, but I just, you're so uncomfortable. We can be so uncomfortable near the end that I was just like, nah, it's not labor. And then um, that afternoon, I think we actually had sex. And after the, about an hour later, I lost my mucus pug. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in like, I'm in labor. <laughs> so I think doing that just really like sparked things. I was like, okay, yeah, that's yeah. why we've had a fight. That's why I'm having <laughs> weird tummy pains. Yeah. And then yeah. 
we sort of waited like an hour and then I was like, okay, I'm definitely feeling some action, like this is definitely happening. So I just messaged my midwife and said, I'm not getting too excited, but I've lost my mucus pug and I've been having, you know, contractions every sort of like, I don't maybe 12, 10 minutes kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so she just said, just make sure you have a big meal and have lots of water and then just try and get some rest tonight. So that's what we did. We went to bed that night and they sort of like ramped up while I was sleeping, not sleeping, just lying. I was <laughs> lying on the, um, lying on my side. I just remember like doing my breathing and clutching the side of the mattress when I had any big surges or anything to sort of help. Um, and then, yeah, in the morning we woke up and it was still very much there, very much happening. I think at one point early in the morning I got out of bed and it was like, okay, I need to stand now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be lying down. Um, and then my midwife came over at about 10 o'clock in the morning and she checked me and was like, cool, so you're about five centimetres, you're going to have a baby today. I was like, oh my God, what? <laughs> like, I thought I was going to have days to go. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I just laboured at home for a little bit more, um, just walking around and getting my husband to press on my um, pressure points. And then my midwife suggested that maybe I try and have a bath. So I did, and I just, my surges started to get a bit stronger, and I was like, if we don't get in the car and go to birth care now, I'm not going to want to move anywhere. Mm. So we went to birth care, um, that might have been like one o'clock or something like that, and then, um, yeah, just carried on labouring at birth care, so I was like in the shower and then out, and then I had a bath. <laughs> You're just like mm-hmm. trying to get comfortable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just managing fine. Um, she offered me the gas, but I just was, oh, I just did not want to have it. I mm-hmm. just was worried it was going to give me a headache or something like that. So I just, yeah, I didn't want to have it. And then I think, um, I don't know what the time was. It must have been like three or four in the afternoon. And then my midwife was like, I think maybe you should get in the bath now. Um, and yeah, that's when it sort of really started. I was pretty exhausted by this stage. Mm-hmm. And I think now looking, like when you look back on your birth stories, you can sort of see how things are happening. But I just remember like, I think I'd started to push. But I don't remember having a big urge to push. I think it was just naturally that's what my body was doing yeah um and yeah so I just remember looking at my husband and my midwife at one point and just being like I can't do this anymore Mm. I'm so tired um yeah and then I guess from there that's when things really started to happen so I just kept pushing which felt like (laughs) it took forever and I think for my husband it probably felt like that too um and then at one stage, my midwife was like, do you want to feel like, do you want to feel like the head's coming out? And I remember feeling and being like, <laughs> oh my God, I have to push the baby out. <laughs> yeah. um, but you just do. I think it just gave me a second wind. I was like, I've got to get this baby out. It's going to be over if I, yeah. yeah. So I just stayed strong and listened to my midwife and. Yeah, but I think it was quite nice. My midwife's very much like just let you do your thing. Yeah. Um, like I know some people talk about, you know, your midwife will be like, stop pushing, do this. But she just very much let me 
do what I felt like mm. I needed to do. And at one stage she was like, just try and relax in between contractions because I think I just wanted the baby out. So I was just pushing the whole time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then not long after he was born. So it was pretty, um, pretty surreal. Yeah. Um, I just remember looking down being like, whoa, I've just had a baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and did they put him up on your chest? Yeah, so I had him in the water, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and and I recommend water birth for anyone. It was amazing. Um, and I just sort of like, I think my midwife handed him to me. Um, and then I just sort of sat back in the bath and they put like a towel around him. And we just sort of enjoyed that first little moment as like a little family I think we were all just like oh my god we've just had a baby (laughs) yeah 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 amazing and Mm. did you once you sort of got out of the pool and um everything like that did you need any stitches or did you have any tearing or anything like that from your birth um I had a little bit of tearing it was more um grazing so once she sort of checked me like I got up and had a shower and dad got to have um some skin to skin with Luca and then I came back to the bed and she just checked me and I think I had like a little tear that she at the time she thought no it's fine I don't need to stitch it but then when she checked it maybe a couple of days later she was like I probably should have stitched it but it's too late now Mm. um but it was it, it was manageable I mean like of course it's going to be a little bit tender after you've had a baby (laughs) anyway. So, um, yeah, it was just like a bit stingy to pee and stuff like that, but that didn't last too long. So yeah. Yeah. Pretty lucky in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and did you stay in the birth center for a couple of days or what sort of happened from there? Yeah. So I think we really wanted to stay for as long as we possibly could because you know, like your new parents and you don't know anything. (laughs) So we stayed there for three days um, and it was really nice. It was, you know, you get looked after and it's just like a really nice, like special time. Um, I have really fond memories of staying at birth care and it's like having people coming to visit and yeah. 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 It was really nice. Awesome. Cool. And so once you went home um, from birth care and obviously you take your new little baby with you and your just whole life has changed. So how did you find um, those first few days and weeks at home with your baby? And did you notice your milk coming in? And what was your sort of mental Um, health like over that time? Yeah, I think I was trying to keep positive, but I think it was just such a huge life change for me at the time. Yeah. It was very overwhelming and I think there was just, you know, there's that pressure of like, you've just had a baby, it should be like the best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, I was probably a little bit scared to voice how I was really feeling. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like my milk came in all fine, breastfeeding was uh, mostly okay. I had like a few cracks and stuff on my nipples, which were really challenging Um, but didn't last for long, but I think the big thing for me was we'd just moved to Tauranga. I was in this big house by myself and I sort of, it's funny. I remember friends, um, like we were one of the first couples to have a baby. And I think one of my girlfriends that lives in Dunedin was like, you know, make sure you get your mum friends. 
And I think I was just a bit too cool to sign up to mm. mum groups. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. Or like, how do I do that? And my friend who actually was in Tauranga and had a baby the same time as me was like, oh, you should join space. Like, it's never too late to join. And yeah. um, I was kind of like, oh, yeah. And then it was sort of, yeah, I, I in hindsight, like I should have, but also you can't go back and change your journey. Yeah, and it's that. really um, taught me a lot about myself and also it's yeah. um, changed us a lot as a couple. Like yeah. I think it was a really beautiful time having a baby, but I think I felt, um, yeah, just alone and like abandoned. Yeah. I was like, I remember my sister's, it was my sister's 40th and everyone had just gone to LA and so they'd sp- all spent their money and they couldn't really come and visit me after I had Luca or not straight away anyway. So I think I just remember feeling like I've just had this baby and no one will visit me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah, but instead of, you know, talking about that or voicing that, I sort of just, I think I internalized it a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I remember talking to my husband and just being like, I just don't feel right. Mm. And I started to have um, intrusive thoughts, which now I realize are sort of quite normal. And it's definitely one of my things that happen when it happens when I'm tired or anxious or whatever. But yeah. being a new mum with all of these crazy thoughts going on, like, am I going to suffocate my baby? I was like, yeah. oh my God, everyone's going to think I'm crazy. Like, what's wrong with me? Um, yeah, so I sort of... Um, I went and saw a few counsellors, but actually I think the biggest turning point for me was um, I joined a group called Mother's Helpers, mm-hmm. and it's a really beautiful woman, I think her name's Christina, that um, runs these groups, and if you're in Auckland, you can actually go there, but she would run like a Zoom call every week, and we would all check in and sort of, it's like a 10-week course of like learning about what postpartum well, perinatal anxiety and depression is and how you can combat it. And yeah, yeah, so it was just really good. Like I think for the first time I was actually able to openly speak and be like, you know, Mm -hmm. I had a thought that I was going to harm my baby or I was going to harm myself. And she was like, oh, that's, um, that's intrusive thoughts. And I was kind of like, oh my God, so I'm not Mm. crazy. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I think a part of me feels a little bit sad about when Luca first came into the world, but then also it's taught me a lot about myself and, yeah, there yeah. is a positive to every negative. So he's a beautiful, yeah. happy, thriving little boy. It's just, it can be really tough being a new mum. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. And how did you, like, did you notice really big relationship changes between you and your partner and how did you juggle the the load of being parents what was that like um yeah I think the first baby (laughs) it's a really big juggle I think mum and dad are both very much learning their roles and I think as a mum it's you know it's asking for help and it's asking you know I need this from you and we are expected to, or not expected, but there's that like pressure to be like, have the clean house, do the cooking, do the cleaning, do this, and then still be okay and have this beautiful baby and whatever. Yeah. And so it's a big thing to really learn how to communicate that with your partner. Like I think Mohi just, 
bless him, he just thought, oh, she'll be okay, you know, like she's going to get better. Um, And I did, of course, but it's one of those things that's not going to go away on your own. Mm. Um, And our relationship has definitely changed massively. Um, And I think it's just like communication, you know, like don't be scared to communicate Mm. how you're really feeling. Um, And that's in a mum in any situation, you know, because we go through so many hormonal changes, which I think... It's funny, I've got girlfriends that are very, you know, some people are more emotional than others. I'm very much like a sensitive, emotional kind of gal <laughs> well, <laughs> at times. Um, but And then there's some people that just aren't and they get through lives yeah. without their life without having anxiety or anything. And mm. that was me until I had a baby. Um, until you actually are like, wow, look at all these crazy hormones in my system mm. trying doing their job, but... Yeah, it can be a big journey for you and dad because you're both yeah. trying to manoeuvre that together. Um, yeah. yeah, like I think dad sometimes can be like, oh my God, what do I do? Like, how do I help yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And what about your breastfeeding journey? How did you end up um, finding breastfeeding with Luca? And was there any sort of stand out there that either helped you or you found just like difficult? Um, I think it goes with just, you know, first baby, not really knowing what's right and what's not. Mm. Um, but I'm pretty lucky. Like I had a very easy, it wasn't super hard to breastfeed with Luca. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was definitely painful at the start. And I think I had really badly cracked nipples and that might've been sort of not latching him properly. But in my eyes, I was like, he's feeding, it's okay. Um, And, yeah, so I think we fed fine. Um, But I think one of the big challenges for me was actually keeping a healthy milk supply. So for the first six months, it was fine because you're mostly, you know, you're not doing too much, you know, like Mm. you're going for nice walks and you're mostly at home feeding the baby and all of that kind of thing. And I think around the six-month mark, you sort of start to get a bit more active and just a bit busier within your life. The baby's a bit bigger. You might not be able to sit down and eat three meals a day, which is actually super important. So around the, I remember around the six-month mark, my supply dipped. So I went to the health shop and got some great, like, natural stuff that really helped. And then... um, around the 10-month mark, it sort of dipped again and I just didn't have it in me to try and get mm. it back. And he eventually ended up weaning off me. Um, but I think also, too, we introduced a bottle and yeah. I sort of didn't take it to consideration or no one sort of, I don't know, it's not it's not written in the handbook, you know? Yeah. Um, I added in a bottle but didn't take into consideration that that's a feed that he's not having from me. Mm-hmm. So it naturally starts to, I wasn't expressing off extra milk. So it naturally sort of your milk supply starts to decline. Um, Mm -hmm. And then eventually he actually weaned off me. (laughs) I think he just got sick of it being slow and was like, oh, I'll just (laughs) get the bottle. So it was quite an easy, um, I wasn't entirely ready for it to finish, but it was quite an easy transition for us because he was like just happy to have bottles. So yeah. 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 Awesome. 
Cool. And what about falling pregnant the second time around? So do you want to take us through the journey to that and how you found out? And yeah, what was that like? Yeah. Um, another surprise, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. We were actually on our honeymoon. So we got married when Luca was about one and then we decided that we would wait to have our honeymoon. So when Luca had just turned two, we went to Bali and I was tracking my cycle at the time and I think I just miscalculated a few days. <laughs> and um, yeah, so when we got home, we were sort of traveling home and I just, there were a few mornings like early in the morning when we got home that I kept waking up feeling really unwell. And one of the nights we'd had salmon for dinner. So I was like, oh, maybe that salmon wasn't right. And then I just knew straight away. I was like, I'm pregnant. I just know it. (laughs) I woke up the next morning and the same thing had happened. And I was like, my period's due. I feel weird. And then I think I filled my boobs. And I was like, maybe they're a bit tender. I'm just going to have a pregnancy test. So at five in the morning (laughs) I got up out of bed and had a test and sure enough I was pregnant and I went and told my husband and it was pretty funny we were like oh my gosh really okay cool um because on my on our honeymoon we just talked about I'd just recently finished doing my personal training course and that I was going to start working a little bit more and having some more just some independence and time away from Luca yeah. a bit more. And then, um, yeah, and then I found out I was pregnant. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, everything was really fine. I went to the doctors. Or actually, no, um, it was – I found out on a Monday and then on the Friday. So we sort of were just letting things settle in and I was like, okay, well, I'll get a hold of Nell, which is my midwife that I had with Luca. And I hadn't even had the chance to get in contact with her. And I actually had a really bad bleed. Um, and I just thought that I was having a miscarriage. And so I went to the doctors on the Friday and just saw anyone that I could see. Yeah. Um, and I am actually O negative. So uh-huh. I can't remember what the other name is. Uh, but when I gave birth to Luca, because he has a different blood type to me, I had to have the anti-D vaccination. Right, yeah. So when I went to um, the doctors for a potential miscarriage, um, the doctor tested me for my blood type but didn't actually think to test me for my HCG levels. Right. Was just like, which was, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. it was quite funny. Um, and so that weekend I was still bleeding, not heavily. It was just sort of like a... Um, yeah, it was just kind of like a period, mm. but it, I've never had a miscarriage before, so I yeah. naturally you just assume. Yeah. Um, and so I went to had to go to A and E to get my anti D vaccination because there's a potential that the fetus that was inside me could have had a different blood type. Okay. Um, and if you don't have the vaccination, it builds up antibodies. So. Um, so it doesn't affect you or the baby that you're carrying, but it can yeah. affect the next baby. Mm-hmm. So I went and had the anti-DVAC, and then um, I think the bleeding stopped. But because we um, we didn't check my eighth CG levels, I had to wait till Monday to go and have um, the test. So I had like the blood test, and then I had to wait a couple of days, and then I had another one. 
but because my HCG levels were rising, but not enough. So in between all of these tests, I was having scans and things. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't actually know that I was 100% pregnant for about a month. <laughs> it right. was a really weird time. Yeah. And I think also um, just the way that they can treat you sometimes. Like I really felt for... I've had women in my family, and I think we all have a friend that may have had some issues with, you know, falling pregnant or carrying a baby, mm-hmm. and I just felt so sorry for them. I was like, this is would be such an awful journey if yeah. I, you know, if I'd been trying for years and years to fall pregnant, and I was finally pregnant, and then this was happening. Like, I think I was in the doctor's office, and one of the nurses came in with my pregnancy stick, and was like, oh, here, you know, here you go. Do you want to keep it? And I was like, oh my god, I'm in here for a miscarriage. Mm. Like, it was very odd. Um, but yeah, so eventually, um, I had to go through the motion of seeing. Um, I had to go to the hospital and see like a gynecologist and go through the motion of talking about what would happen if the baby didn't naturally come out and all of that kind of thing. Um, but then I was continuing to have scans and I think the heartbeat and everything was strong. So I remember having a, um, a scan at about, must have been nine weeks or something and eight or nine weeks. And, um, I had a heartbeat and everything like that. And my sonographer was like, yeah, it's all looking really good. And then my doctor called me you know, like a couple of hours later and was like, so it's not looking good. I was like, oh my God, what do you oh. mean? Um, and it's because I actually had a bleed in my uterus um, and essentially that can push the baby out. Right. And I think it was just like miscommunication. So my doctor just thought that I knew. Okay. <laughs> and every time I went to the doctors, he was like, so how are you feeling? I'm like, well, I'm feeling really sick. Mm. Um, but that he was just like, you know, it can take a f- couple of weeks for the HCG levels to sort of subside. So don't get your hopes up kind of thing. Um, yeah. And then fast forward, maybe a couple of weeks it was, yeah, we were pregnant and my pregnancy symptoms were very different from Luca. I was very sick. <laughs> yeah. So that was a confusing thing because I was feeling so unwell. I was yeah. like, surely this means that I have a strong pregnancy. Um, yeah, so after that minor little glitch, we didn't have any issues. And um, I actually got a hold of my midwife, Nell, and she was like, you should have called me. I could have helped you with all of this, but I didn't really know at the time. Mm. Um, but yeah, we ended up, I had a very straightforward, normal um, pregnancy, very similar to Luca, apart from I was very unwell this time. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, no major issues. My thing yeah. is that I get really bad varicose veins and I end up having to wear compression socks. So oh, okay. you can imagine seeing a Pilates instructor wearing compression socks and, t- and tight bike shorts. <laughs> Not a yeah. good look. And did you get those with Luca as well? Yes, I did. Um, yeah. Same thing. I just wore compression socks. and But it was. I think I was more pregnant in winter with him, whereas with Coco it yeah. was more over summer. So I yep. was, there was no escaping, um, 
Yeah, but all fine, all fine. I, yeah, I had bad veins and I sort of get a bit of sciatica, but that wasn't, nothing to write home about. It was all fine. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Awesome. And so you went with the same midwife again? Yeah, so same midwife um, and same rotation midwife as well. Um, I had another um, midwife, Reagan, just in case my midwife, Nell, wasn't available on the day. Um, And, you know, Murphy's Law, she wasn't. (laughs) But I think because it was my second baby, I was a bit more relaxed. I didn't really care. Um, But, yeah, it was a very different experience the same but different different experience because Coco was actually 10 days late (laughs) so I was doing everything I could to try and get this baby out I was doing curb walking going up and down Mount Drury stairs um (laughs) yeah I just she just didn't want to come out and um yeah I was eating hot stuff I think we were having sex every night, which was like, no one wants to be doing that when you're nine months pregnant. (laughs) Like, it was terrible. I just remember being to Mohi like, please, it could get the baby out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I think by about day five in the end, I just gave up. I was like, look, this baby is pretty happy in there. I feel very comfortable. I'm just going to give it a rest. Like, the baby will come when he or she's ready. Mm -hmm. So... That's what I did. Um, And it's funny. So my husband um, and my little girl Coco share the same birthday. But the days leading up, my husband had a dream. And he was like, I've had a dream and you're going to have a girl and it's going to be born on my birthday. And I was like, no, no, you're dreaming. Like That's not going to happen. And so I was... um, I wrote him a birthday card and it was like, all going well. We're either sitting in bed with the new baby or I'm still pregnant and there's no sign of the baby. Hmm. Um, And so on his birthday morning, I handed him the card and was like, I've been in labor for a couple of hours, so you're probably going to be sharing your birthday. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it was was cool. It was exciting. Um, And then I just, labored at home and actually my little man um, Luca had gone to stay at his granddad's house and I just had this wave come over me I was like I really want to see him before I have this baby because it's the last time that I'm going to see him just him and in my mind I was like it's going to be so nice we're going to have big cuddles (laughs) and he loves his granddad so he was like devastated that he'd had to come home Oh no! <laughs> and so it wasn't oh the like I would be the same. <laughs> it wasn't the final goodbye that I'd imagined, um, yeah. which was pretty funny. And then, yeah, we sort of tried to go for a walk, and it was a bit awkward because we were sort of out in public, and I was feeling embarrassed about having contractions in public. Well, yeah. I, we were just sort of at the park near our house, but it was like people just wanted to keep coming and talking to us. I was uh-huh. like, we just need to go back inside. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I just um, laboured at home, but um, Coco was actually in the wrong spot. So she was posterior and just sitting really high up. So yep. um, we ended up, well, it just it was a really different feeling. I don't know if anyone's had, well, I'm yeah. sure some people have had, you know, a normal straightforward labour and then a posterior birth. It's a little bit different. So it just feels more intense. 
Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking at around lunchtime, I was like, oh, I should get the midwife over just to come and check me to see how far I am along because it had been like, you know, six hours. I was like, surely mm. there's things moving. And she came and checked me and I was three centimetres. Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. And then so I was a bit gutted, but just carried on. Um and yeah, like I was trying to walk around because it, you know, gravity helps. Yeah. Um, but I think if I was to go through that again, I probably would have allowed myself just to lie down or sit mm. down a little bit because I was pretty exhausted near the end. Um, yeah, so I got to like, it was the afternoon and that my contractions were finally starting to um, ramp up. But we actually did um, the baby turning method. Mm-hmm. And now that I look back, I think that actually really helped her just to sort of get her wee head down and get her into position properly. Um, so, yeah, that thing where you sort of like you kneel on the couch and then you put your forearms down onto the floor yep. and you have like a big scarf or something on your belly and you sort of get your husband or your partner or someone just to sort of like gently roll from side to side and it can sort of shimmy the baby into the right spot um my midwife recommended to do that and so I think it actually really helped because the next few hours it started to sort of really um progress um but my midwife kept saying to me just to wait at home for a little bit longer and I was like oh my god she just doesn't get it like I need to come in. (laughs) I'm sick of being at home. But I think also too, that's maybe motherly instinct Um, because I just knew that I shouldn't be at home anymore. Like I was like, I just need to, I need someone to look after me. I need someone to just check to make sure I'm okay. Um, And I think I just wanted the baby to come. So I was like, we need to go. Um, Yeah, so we... Mohi ended up calling um, Reagan back and was like, Olive really wants to come in. Because that's when they know if your husband's calling, it means you can't talk. (laughs) So I was like, you call her. (laughs) I think I was probably too calm on the phone. Um, And then our drive to birth care was pretty funny. I was like kneeling, facing out the back window. Mohi was having his birthday beer in the car. Um, We were listening to Fat Freddy's. And then we got to birth care um, and then I got straight into the bath and then my midwife arrived after that and she checked me again and I was only six centimeters and yeah. oh my goodness me, I was <laughs> like, oh no, oh no, I'm, I'm, I just was, remember sitting on the Swiss ball, just breathing, being like, I think I'm actually going to have to go and get an epidural. <laughs> Yes. I, I can't do this anymore. But yeah. then actually that was probably my transition because the next part happened really quickly. Yeah. So we got to we got to birth care at five, I think, and Coco was born at six o'clock. So we went, I went from six to ten in about 45 minutes. And um, it was during lockdown. So your midwife had to wear like a full gown and everything. Yeah. And I just remember going into the bath and being like, you know, having a few contractions and then being like, oh my God, like I need to push. I was like, I really, (laughs) I think I need to push. And then in five minutes she was out. Like I just was so sick of being in labor. I just pushed for dear life and 
my midwife hadn't even got her gown on or anything. Um, and actually after the birth, a couple of days later, I was like, so who caught her? And I was like, you did. Like you <laughs> delivered the baby. I think second time around, you just, you know what you need to do. I just remember feeling really like awake and aware. Yeah. Whereas with Luca, it was all kind of like a bit of a dream. I was really tired. I was getting guided with what to do. But with Coco, I was like, I know exactly what I need to do. Um, yeah. And so she was born very fast in like less than five minutes. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and then I just held her for a little bit. Um, and she actually had quite a lot of the, is it Vernix, the white stuff? Yep. So, which was making one of the midwives think that maybe my dates were wrong, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, I just sort of cuddled her for a bit and I was actually just sort of laughing because I couldn't believe it was over. I mm. thought that I was going to be having her at like midnight. So yeah. it was just the biggest relief. <laughs> yeah. 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 Biggest relief. I was so happy Amazing. it was over. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. so did you, I know you said that you, like you ended up delivering her. Did you pull her up to your chest from there? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, I was sort of in like a little squat position, I think. And then I just picked her up and put her on my tummy and checked what she was because I was dying to know. (laughs) (laughs) I think, and I had convinced myself it was a boy because I didn't want to have gender disappointment. Yeah. Um, So I was like, no, no, it's another boy. It's another boy. I look exactly the same. I'm carrying the same. (laughs) Um, But it was a little girl. So we were both very, very chuffed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice. Awesome. Amazing. And did you stay in birth care again? Um, yeah, we stayed for the night and I, and then we sort of just wanted to go home. Um, yeah. she was feeding fine. It was, she actually was, um, it was like she was starving when she came out. She just <laughs> didn't want to be anywhere apart from on my boob, yeah. um, which was great. Um, so yeah. And I think that actually made my milk come in much quicker too, because she was feeding so much when she was first born. Um, yeah, so we stayed in birth care just for the night, and then the next day we went home. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. And how did you find that, taking your newborn baby home? And you've obviously already got um, a toddler at home, so a bit of a different experience this time around. What was that yeah. like? Yeah. Well, I think we actually live in our own house now, so I wasn't going home to someone else's house. Um, and my little sister Julia, because this all happened during lockdown, so yeah. she actually got stuck with us for lockdown, and <laughs> it was actually a godsend. It was so nice because, of course, my mum wouldn't have been able to come up. None of my sisters could visit or anything, or my brother. So it was just so nice to have someone there, like a family member. So yeah, and bless her, she was actually at the house during my birth and she just stayed in the other room the whole time. Um, but it was so nice, like came home to a clean house and flowers and, um, yeah, so we actually had, um, I think we had a night or like at least the whole day to ourselves and then Luca came home. So it was nice to just like mooch on the couch. And I think we watched a movie, you know, just to really relax and snuggle up. Um, and yeah, I think feeding and everything, I was just really calm about that because I knew what to do. Um, and then, 
um, yeah, and then Luca came home to meet um, Coco, and so it was very, it was so, it was a really um, weird, it was so strange, but so good, and I think, like, as I said before, I have intrusive thoughts sometimes, and one mm. of my thoughts was like, oh my god, I don't love Luca anymore, and I'm not going to love him, you know, I'm going to have to pretend yeah. to love him for his whole life, it was like, oh my goodness, like, just relax. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hormones can do horrible things, but, um, yeah, it was really, really nice. It was really nice. And I think it was good this time around. Um, you know, I can openly talk to my husband and just be like, Oh God, I'm having these silly thoughts. And he's like, it's Mm. okay, darling. Like you're safe. You know that these are just nothing. It's just silly. It's your silly ego or whatever you want to call it. It's just trying to fill your mind with doubt. So, um, yeah, but it was pretty funny. Like, we have a video, actually, of when Luca first met Coco, and he just really wasn't sure. <laughs> um, but it took him a few days, and he kept wanting to hold her, but he couldn't handle how floppy she was. So he'd just sort of drop her, and he'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. okay <laughs> then, well, we'll just help yeah. you with that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was much smoother, and I think, I was just very um, mindful of my mindfulness um, and just how I was feeling. So just making sure that I was getting lots of rest. And yeah. I think I, when Luca was little, I probably wasn't doing any of that. I was just yeah. running on empty 24-7 and yeah. that is not the way to go. Yeah. You know, like I really recommend, I know they say sleep when the baby sleeps. I'm not, a, I can't do that. But <laughs> listening to a guided meditation, oh my gosh, I'll be out in five minutes. So I think <laughs> it's taking your mind off, you know, the task at hand. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm in bed, I need to sleep. I'm really wired, but I need to sleep. But if you actually mm. just even just taking 20 minutes to calm your system, it really, really helps. So, yeah, I think um, I was very good at sort of taking myself away and um, just taking the help. So it was nice to have Julia, my little sister, to be there and give Luca lots of attention and and have someone cook dinner. Like, how amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and is there anything that we haven't covered for either story that you want to include now? Firstly, I just want to say that I feel really privileged to be on this podcast sharing my journey and that I'm able to share two very happy and positive birth stories. Like They were very different in labours. Luca's was just long and slow. It took about 30 hours. Coco's was about 14. Um and a little bit more intense, but we got there in the end and it was a very beautiful experience. Um, and yes, my mental health wasn't great after I had Luca, but it really taught me some amazing tools. Um, and also my husband as well. So he's well educated on postnatal depression, but also if I'm feeling anxious or anything like that, he sort of knows how to handle it or... Um, yeah, he's by my side. I think that first year after you've had a baby is so, oh, it's really tough. Um, it's really beautiful and happy and exciting, but mum and dad are very much learning their roles and yeah, it takes a little bit to sort of adjust. Um, 
and you know I'd be lying if I said it wasn't in the back of my mind when I was pregnant with Coco how I was going to feel but it was just such a nice experience because I was very aware of my mental health um, and also just communicating how I felt but also mum and dad know their roles this time around you don't have to break that in again so I think if you have trauma from your first birth it doesn't mean that it's going to end up that way for your second Um, and if anything it's you know it's a chance to start again it's a chance to heal and that's sort of how I felt going into having Coco I was like it's going to heal how I felt about being a mum for the first time around and I still think back to when Luca was little about how I wished that I had to you know had have opened up more or I just at times feel a little bit sad because I was feeling sad but you know we all have regrets or whatever from parenting or whatever we've done in the past so I think um, yeah it's all part and parcel Um, but I think no matter what way we decide to birth what way or form it's a really special time for mum dad birth partner whoever and we deserve to have a really happy beautiful experience even if things go a little bit off track it's just being aware of what your rights are, you know, like fight for your rights. Just because you have a breech baby doesn't mean you aren't actually allowed to birth the baby naturally. I think that's one thing that I learned. I said to my midwife, oh, my friend had to have a C-section because she had a breech baby. And my midwife was like, oh, you don't have to. I think that there is always choices, there's always different scenarios, so just make sure that you are asking as many questions as you like, and just fighting for your rights, Um, and I mean that, you know, like if you have moved from birth care and you've had to go to hospital because things aren't moving the way that they should, um, or it's a matter of life or death, you know, like then maybe you would listen to your midwife but just things like um if it's your millionth um you know they've examined you a million times or it's the third person to examine you and you don't feel comfortable speak up about that because it's your body it's your and it's your experience so maybe you could make a rule that if anyone's to examine you it's your midwife um yeah I just think fighting for your rights and knowing um, what your options are are really important. Um, One of my girlfriends has had her baby already, but I remember her telling me that when she was pregnant or finding her midwife, her midwife told her that she doesn't take any new mums unless they have an epidural for their first birth. And I just felt so sad. And it's not because of the epidural. They serve a purpose 100% we all have different birth stories we all have different pain thresholds and you don't need to be a martyr if you've gone into it and you've you know had the intention that you were going to have a beautiful water birth and it just hasn't happened that way then that's okay you've never experienced it before Um, but it just made me really sad because it was you know instilling fear and doubt in her from the get-go it was like your midwife doesn't think you can do it or you know this experience is going to be way too much for you and you just have to happen epidural I just I felt really sad about that and I just thought it was a little bit 
unfair um, for someone in that role to be having that belief or saying those things. Um, I just think we are, believe it or not, designed to grow and to birth babies. And some of us get into trouble or have complications, but even then there's a chance to be in control and to walk away feeling empowered. It's like, make a birth plan. Make three birth plans. It's like, okay, if we go to birth care and it doesn't work out, we'll go to hospital and these are my wishes that I want to have. If I end up having a C-section, um, you know, still be empowered. It's like, I if I have a C-section, I still want to have delayed cord clamping and I want to have that beautiful skin-to-skin. Um, or if I'm in the hospital, I just want my midwife, my actual LMC, to be the one that's um, doing the examinations and caring for me. Um just, you know, like researching, read books, talk to your midwife a million times over if you need to. Um, but I think that there's this big thing of, of fear around birth and it's really, really sad. I think if you can try and turn that around, then that's going to be your biggest um, achievement and accomplishment. Um, we, yeah, like whether that be... Um, a hypnobirthing, water birth, or you choose to have a C-section, be excited. Like you're meeting your baby for the very first time. You're going to become a parent. It's what you've been waiting all these nine months um, to have. And I think that mum and dad deserve to have a really, mum and dad or birth partner, whoever it is, deserve to have that really beautiful, loving experience that birth um can be and I think that um, some people who work in the maternal system have sort of lost their touch and have or never really been in touch with how special birth is for a woman in her journey labor and birth is a beautiful gift and we need to use our strength and our voice when it comes to this and you know I go back to that just fighting for your rights and really putting your foot down um, when something doesn't feel right. Um, like just because you're at 42 weeks, it doesn't actually mean you have to be induced. Um, it's still your baby. It's still your body. Not that I'm saying, you know, it's 42 weeks and your placenta's failing. But don't, you know, don't take the induction. I'm just saying there are choices and there are options. Um I think find yourself a midwife who is 100% on your team and ready to fight for you and your bubba. Educate your your birth partner on your wishes even if and that's for even if things go in an unexpected way. It's like, okay, we had this in our birth plan. This is what we're going to do now. It's okay. It doesn't mean it's all tits up and we're not going to enjoy this experience. Um my husband and my midwife trusted and believed in me 100%. There was never any fear or doubt. I'm really, um, really lucky for that because I think that no matter how long it was taking or how um, strong the contractions could be or, you know, I had those moments of being like, oh my God, I just can't do it. 
but my midwife and my husband just knew that I could and that was the most important thing I think you know have that little pep talk with your husband or your partner or whatever like you need to believe in me that I can do this because you 100% can um Um, And obviously, you know, things do take a turn and things become unexpected um, in in earth, oh my gosh, in labour and birth. Um, But I think, yeah, it's just being able to walk away and feeling like I had that really beautiful, empowering experience. I had the epidural, but that doesn't matter, you know, like I had a really great time and my husband and I or my birth partner and I had that really beautiful bonding experience in the hospital birth care postpartum that we dreamed for. And I think that that is the most important thing. Um, And I'm just sharing how I felt. This isn't to take away from reality. I know that sometimes things don't turn out the way that we plan. Um, But for me it did. And I got a taste of how beautiful and empowering um, labor and birth can be and this is exactly why I wanted to come on this podcast is just to have um, I guess to have a voice just to be like you know you can have that beautiful amazing birth that you've um, that you've dreamed of um, or that it can actually happen that way and um that you don't need to have intervention or the drugs or whatever. But if you do, that's okay too. Um, But yeah, I guess it's just to encourage and cheer on all the mums or partners or husbands or whatever that are about to go on this experience. It's a really beautiful, exciting experience. And I think just holding on to that. um, People love to share their negative birth stories or, oh my gosh, did you hear about this poor woman, this, this, this happening. These medical emergencies, you know, it is sort of that one in a million thing that might have happened. But that is just enough to really instill fear into a mum. So I think that was my choice not to go to um, my antenatal classes because I didn't want to know about I just didn't want to know about pain or the things that could happen. I think, yeah, I just, I just trusted him. I 100% trusted in myself that I was going to be able to do it. Um, And obviously, you know, I'd had checks, the baby was in the right place, all of that. Um, So I just felt deep down into my heart, I guess, that I was going to be able to do it. And I did. And it was amazing and that's why I'm here talking about it because I just feel so passionately about mums having that beautiful experience um and as far as the postpartum journey goes I think it's just making sure that you're very clear about what you need from your partner um and also your friends and family around you like I don't want you to visit for three weeks or I really need some food so that I can spend time with the baby or I really need those nipple shields. I don't want to leave the house. Can someone pick them up for me? Um, it's such a special and sacred time having a, becoming a parent and I don't think you should feel bad about <clears throat> needing to ask for help because guaranteed your friends and your family will just feel so thankful and special that you've asked them for help. Um 
and also when you start to be able to leave the house or whatever it's it's the little things it's my biggest advice is have a shower and make your bed as soon as you possibly can you will feel so accomplished um Bubba is going to be okay for one minute while you park them up in front of the shower and have a quick shower and just like you know hop into your active wear or a different set of pajamas if you want to I think that's one thing that really makes me feel good is just making sure that I've had a shower I've cleaned myself I've got clean fresh clothes on and my bed is made so that if I need to go down and have a rest or whatever my bed is made and I can just lie on top with a blankie and yeah I don't know what it is about having a made bed but it really makes me feel calm and fresh um, and also just getting out for exercise and fresh air, even if you're not, um, I know that not everyone is like a big exercise person, but it is so incredibly important. Um, and why wouldn't you want to go and show off your beautiful new baby? Um, you know, get that pram out, walk up and down your street 50 times if that feels good so that you're not too far from home. Um, but yeah, just getting out for fresh air. Even if it's five minutes and even if you've only had five minutes sleep, it is going to make you feel so much better. Um, yeah, I think I really said a lot there. Um, but hopefully it's, um, I don't know, hopefully it's encouraged and put a positive spin on birth because I think it's really important to hear um those positive stories around such a huge event um but yeah thank you everyone for listening thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of kiwi birth tales with olivia i hope you have loved it i would love to see where you are listening from so please take a screenshot of your phone if that's where you listen from and tag me at kiwi birth tales on instagram i always love connecting with you and i can't wait to bring you another awesome episode next week Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.